Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Ramadan Mubarak to you and yours. This Ramadan, as we all gather to share a meal with our loved ones, we need to remember those in Gaza who are also gathering to share a meal with so many who aren't there that were just there a year ago. Since October the 7th, the Human Development Fund has assisted over 200,000 people in Gaza, providing them with essential aid such as food baskets, water, hot meals, winter items, shelter, hygiene kits, and baby formula. Your generous contributions are making a significant impact, especially in Rafah. Let's sustain this momentum and continue providing crucial support during this sacred and blessed month. Please visit hdfund.org slash alam. That's hdfund.org slash qalam, Q-A-L-A-M, to learn more about our global reach this Ramadan and choose where you'd like to direct your support during this blessed month. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this month a time of mercy, solace, acceptance, and triumph for the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And may Allah continue to use all of us as a means and never replace us. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. In these podcasts, we uncover one chapter after another from the life of the Prophet ﷺ in an attempt to learn about him, love him, and better ourselves through his example. Immersion, mentorship, companionship, and tarbiyah. These are just a few of the things we offer alongside knowledge of the prophetic biography at Sira Intensive. Two weeks dedicated to the study of the life of the Prophet ﷺ and his noble characteristics. So this winter, join me in Dallas, Texas, alongside your classmates from all over the world to learn the story of the life of the best of humanity, the mercy to mankind, the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. Go to sirahintensive.com to register and for more information. Battle. Um, namely, you know, we talked about in the previous session the slander of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha and uh, some of the other subsequent incidents that occurred thereafter. Inshallah, in today's uh, session uh, from the 60th year of Hijrah, what we're going to be talking about is what led to or what eventually became the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. So, First and foremost, as I've mentioned before, we're talking about the sixth year of Hijrah. So in the sixth year of Hijrah, the Prophet ﷺ, once he returned back from the battle of Banu Mustaliq and handled all the subsequent you know, issues that occurred with the slander of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, the Prophet ﷺ resided, he stayed in the city of Medina for the next couple of months. So specifically, it mentions that the Prophet ﷺ, he remained uh, in the city of Medina for the months of Ramadan and the month of Shawwal, following the month of Ramadan. After that, in the month of Dhul Qa'dah, the Prophet ﷺ gathered together a group of Sahaba. The narrations mentioned that it was about 1,400 Sahaba, 1,400 companions of the Prophet ﷺ. And in the month of Dhul Qa'dah, the Prophet ﷺ, along with these 1400 companions, he set out on his journey towards the city of Mecca. 
Now, what exactly was the nature of this particular journey? So let's talk a little bit about that. The Prophet ﷺ left Mecca with the, he, he, excuse me, he set out for Mecca with the intention of performing Umrah. The Prophet ﷺ said, it has been six years since I saw the Kaaba, the Baytullah, the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My heart longs to see the Kaaba. And the Prophet ﷺ said that, I want to go and see the holy sanctuary, the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and I want to perform Umrah, and you know, uh, perform worship there at the house of Allah, and honor the sacred and prestigious house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Prophet ﷺ, he ordered all of the companions along with himself, they went into a state of ihram. Now before I talk about that any further, the first thing I wanted to mention was that the Prophet ﷺ, Ibn Hisham mentions, that the Prophet ﷺ did not want to engage in any battle. So, la yuridu harban. He had no intention to fight. And not only that, but the Prophet ﷺ was uh, very concerned about, um, you know, the Meccans and how they might end up reacting. So the Prophet ﷺ wanted to proceed towards Mecca with not necessarily a show of strength in the aggressive sense of it, he wasn't trying to be aggressive or intimidating, but the Prophet ﷺ still wanted to show that, look, I have the support of the Arabs. And so many of the Bedouin tribes that lived around the city of Medina, the Prophet ﷺ tried to recruit them. He tried to recruit them. That why don't you come along with us? And this shows a sense of unity. It shows that, you know, I am not acting alone, acting of my own accord. And, you know, that the Muslims are not basically trying to establish alliances and some type of peace in the region. Unfortunately, many of the Bedouin tribes around Medina chose not to join the Prophet ﷺ. But they made excuses, they delayed and other things of that nature, and they did not end up accompanying the Prophet ﷺ on this particular journey. Nevertheless, the Prophet ﷺ gathered together the Muhajireen and the Ansar, 1400 of them. Some of the other Bedouin tribes did end up joining, and along with all of them, the Prophet ﷺ himself went into a state of ihram. Now, I'm not going to turn this into a fiqh lesson about what is ihram and what not, but if anybody has gone or anybody has even seen that particularly for men, the state of ihram is something very, very noticeable. Because you have to remove your normal garments, you have to uncover your head, you have to uh, put on the plain sheets uh, of clothing and be in a state of ihram. So it's a very noticeable state when men enter into the state of ihram. Because even their physical dress has to change, not just the observance of the ihram. So the Prophet ﷺ himself went into ihram and told all the companions to enter into a state of ihram themselves. Now, here's the question though. The place from where ihram has to be put on, if you are going from Medina, is outside of Medina. It's called Dhul Hulayfa. So it's, a, it's outside of Medina. So what they very well could have done is that they could have left Medina, gotten to that particular station, it's called the Miqat, the boundary, the border, put on the ihram from there and then proceeded on from there. But the Prophet ﷺ very deliberately and strategically put on the ihram along with all of his companions from the city of Medina as a demonstration of the fact that we do not intend to fight 
We are not looking for a fight. We are coming as devout worshippers. Peaceful, devout worshippers only coming to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And not only that, but the narration also mentions that the Prophet ﷺ had 70 camels along with him for the purposes of sacrifice. And that was another gesture of the fact that we are looking to come, worship, perform sacrifices. We are not intending war here by any means. There was no cavalry, there was no artillery, there was no you know, stockpile of weaponry. None of that was there. And so this was being very clearly demonstrated by the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims. When the Prophet ﷺ reached the place of Usfan, now the place of Usfan is on the way to Mecca, he met there an individual by the name of Bishr ibn Sufyan al-Ka'bi. This individual said, Ya Rasulullah, Messenger of God, هذه Quraysh قد سمعت بمسيرك. Quraysh has heard about the fact that you are marching in their direction. So they have basically come out from Mecca with their rides and their cavalry and their weapons. And not only that, but he said, That they have put on their armor. And specifically what it talks about is they've put on the hide, the skin of like, uh, like a leopard or a cheetah or something like that. And basically what that was symbolic of, what that was representative of, is that they're coming for a fight. They've come looking for a fight. And he told the Prophet ﷺ that they, have, they are staying at the place of the tuwa, and يُعَاهِدُونَ اللَّهَ لَا تَدْخُلُهَا عَلَيْهِمْ And that they have taken an oath and a covenant that they will not let you enter Mecca. And وَهَذَا خَالِدُ بْنُ وَلِيدُ فِي خَيْلِهِمْ Not only that, but Khalid bin Walid has a cavalry. He was not Muslim at this point. And he was considered even at that time, even before Islam, he was considered a military mastermind. And so Khalid bin Walid has a cavalry. And if you remember, Khalid bin Walid was the architect of the turning of the events at the time at the Battle of Uhud. So Khalid bin Walid is there with his cavalry as well. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Ya wayha Quraysh, what is wrong with the people of Quraysh? Laqada akalathum al-harbu. They are obsessed with war. They are obsessed with war. They are bloodthirsty. And the Prophet ﷺ said that, what's wrong with them? That they should basically, you know, let us pass and let us go and worship. And the Prophet ﷺ said that either accept Islam and come into the fold of Islam or benefit. Or you can they can continue to oppose us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ultimately grant us victory over them. So they are actually harming themselves by acting this way. Nevertheless, the Prophet ﷺ, he said that مَنْ رَجُلٌ يَخْرُجُ بِنَا عَلَىٰ تَرِيقٍ غَيْرِ تَرِيقِهِمْ أَلَّتِيهُمْ بِهَا That is, there anyone who can take us by a route that they are not on. Take us from an alternative route. So at that particular time, a man um, from the tribe of Aslam, he said, I will take you a messenger of Allah, I know an alternative route. And he took the Muslims from this alternative route, but it was a very, very difficult route. It was very rocky, it was very uneven, very difficult terrain, especially for a group as large as 1400 people to traverse. So eventually it got very difficult and they had to end up coming back 
to a more, more normal route so that they could actually move along on their way. Now as they were walking, of course they are demonstrating the fact physically with their ihram, with their intention, with their expression. But the Prophet ﷺ also with their du'as, he commanded them to basically, you know, uh, make the remembrance of Allah and repent to Allah. And he told them, He commanded them that say, we seek Allah's forgiveness. Oh Allah, we seek your forgiveness and we repent to Allah. And the Sahaba started to say that, and then the Prophet ﷺ said, "Wallahi innaha lahitta allati uridat ala bani Israila falam yaquluha." This is the same dhikr and remembrance and repentance that Allah had commanded Banu Israel to say to make, but they did not do so. Re- referencing the ayah that's found in Surah Al-Araf and also in Surah Al-Baqarah. Nevertheless, they started to they continued to proceed on their way. And they were going from an alternative route, but what ended up happening was that, that that group that the Quraysh had sent to kind of cut off the Muslims on their path to Mecca, they saw the dust in the distance. You know, obviously 1400 people walking through the desert, they were kicking up a lot of dust. There were 70 cap- camels, so they were kicking up so much dust that they saw it from a distance. And they proceeded towards them. And when they, when they started to proceed towards them, the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims were not aware yet, they were moving on their way, and the camel of the Prophet ﷺ, the animal that he was riding, sat down. And some of the Sahaba said, Khala'at, that the camel is like misbehaving, alright? Or it's acting strange. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Ma khala'at, wa ma huwa bi khuluqin. This camel is not acting strange, it is not misbehaving. In this camel does not do things like that. Rather, the Prophet ﷺ, the same one who prevented the elephants from marching into Mecca decades ago, is preventing this camel from entering into Mecca. Meaning, just like as the Prophet ﷺ had said when he had come to Medina, do not try to pull the camel in other directions. Because this camel is, you know, uh, under the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So similarly, the Prophet here, he said, the same one who prevented the elephants from entering Mecca, has prevented this camel from moving forward. And so the camel sat down, and at that particular time, the Prophet alluded to the fact that there is some plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we have not taken into consideration. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, لا تدعوني قريش اليوم إلى خطة يسألونني فيها صلة الرحم إلا أعطيتهم إياها. The Prophet ﷺ said that if Quraysh today, if Quraysh now, at this moment, calls me to some form, some type of reconciliation, some type of treaty, some type of truce, that can help start rebuilding and repairing some of these relationships that had been broken and severed, I will respond positively. I, they will find me to be agreeable and amenable if they are willing to propose something. And so this is what the Prophet ﷺ commented at that time. Now when they, the Prophet ﷺ, therefore he told the Sahaba, he said, Inzilu. The Prophet ﷺ said, everybody set up camp over here, we're staying here until we resolve 
whatever, until we figure out what is the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here. So they said, they came to the Prophet ﷺ, they said, O Messenger of Allah, مَا بِالْوَادِي مَاءٌ نَنْزِلُ عَلَيْهِ There's no water source here for us. We have 1400 people. So many animals, transportation, animals for sacrifice. We don't have any water source. What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to camp out here? فَأَخْرَجَ سَحْمًا مِنْ كَنَانَتِهِ The Prophet ﷺ drew an arrow from his quiver. فَأَعْطَاهُ رَجُلًا مِنْ أَصْحَابِهِ The Prophet ﷺ gave it to one of the companions. فَنَزَلَ بِهِ فِي قَلِيبٍ مِنْ تِلْكَ الْقُلُبِ And there were some wells, abandoned, old, abandoned, dried up wells that were in the area. He gave it to him. And that Sahabi took that arrow of the Prophet ﷺ, he descended down into the well. فَغَرَزَهُ فِي جَوْفِهِ And he planted that arrow into the ground. The dry ground at the bottom of that well. فَجَاشَ بِالْرَوَائِ And water started to bubble up from the ground. Miraculously, as a miracle. Until the water rose up all the way to the surface of the well. And then people were able to start taking water from there. And they started feeding, you know, giving water to their animals as well. And started drinking water themselves. And it, it basically developed into a watering hole. Right? And that well, very interestingly, right? That well is there even till today. Where people can go and visit and even drink water from that well. That was a product of this miracle of the Prophet So going forward, so this basically happened, and, and there are some narrations that talk about who was the individual who took that arrow of the Prophet and put it down in the bottom of the well. Some of the Ibn Ishaq mentions that some, some people informed him that it was Najiyah ibn Jundub. Sahabi by the name of Najiyah ibn Jundub. Um, who was also the one who was pulling along the animal that the Prophet ﷺ had taken for his own personal sacrifice. And some other narrations, Ibn Ishaq mentions that some others informed him that the Sahabi who did that, who performed that act, was Al-Barra ibn Azib radiallahu ta'ala anhu. That he used to say, That I was the one who went down and planted the arrow of the Prophet Wallahu ta'ala alamu bisawab, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. But as I was mentioning, that well is there even till today, at the place of Hudaybiyah. And um, you know, um, alhamdulillah, um, you know, I'll be mentioning at the end of the session that you know, we won't be having... Uh, the Sira class for the next couple of weeks on Tuesday because inshallah we're taking the group for Umrah um, so we'll be going for Umrah so we won't be able to I won't be here to conduct the Sira class but what we do on this particular Umrah trip is that we also try to educate the folks that are coming with us on the life and the Sira of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and one of the ways that we educate them on the Sira is we go to the places where many of these major events occurred and actually teach them about these events from the life of the Prophet at the those particular places. So we go to the place of Hudaybiyah to learn about the treaty of Hudaybiyah. And alhamdulillah, with the group, we're able to visit the well um, and actually go and um, you know, see that well that was the product of the miracle of the Prophet So moving on, once the Prophet and the Sahaba had all settled in, they had all settled down, then at that particular time, Budail bin Warqa who was an individual from the tribe of Khuza'a. Now this is very relevant. We're gonna be talking about this in the next session, inshallah. From the tribe of Khuza'a. The tribe of Khuza'a was a tribe that lived outside of Mecca. 
the tribe, Banu Khuza'a. This was a tribe that lived outside of the city of Mecca. They were, even before becoming Muslim, even before accepting Islam, they were very sympathetic to the plights of the Muslims. They were sympathetic towards the Muslims. Because they themselves had had, you know, historically speaking, they had had many conflicts with the Meccans, with the Quraysh. So because the Muslims were being persecuted, right, by the Quraysh, by the Meccans, they were very sympathetic towards the Muslims. So this individual, Budayb bin Warqa, um, who was one of the leaders of the tribe of Khuza'a, he came along with a delegation from his tribe, and they came to speak to the Prophet ﷺ, and ask him, why have you come here? So the Prophet ﷺ informed them that, look, we are not here to look for a fight. Rather, we have come to visit the house of Allah ﷻ, and to offer, pay our respects, to offer the rights of the Kaaba. And the Prophet ﷺ then said, you know, similarly to what he had said to Bishr ibn Sufyan earlier, so this individual, Budil bin Warqa, he goes to the Quraysh. And he says, Ya ma'ashara Quraysh, O people of Quraysh, innakum ta'ajaluna ala Muhammad. You are very hastily making a bad decision in regards to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You're not handling things right with him. Inna Muhammadan lam ya'ati li qital. He has not come to fight you. Inna ma ja'a za'iyan li hadhal bayt. He's come to actually pay his respects to the Kaaba. Fatahamuhum wa jabbahuhum. That then the Qurayshin, because he was talking reason, he was trying to reason with them, trying to prevent conflict. They started accusing him, oh, you're a traitor. You're with him, aren't you? You're one of those people. You're one of his followers. You're, some, you're amongst the Muslims. And they started ridiculing him and really belittling him and, you know, um, talking very disrespectfully to him. And they said, Even if you're right, he's not here to fight. They said, they responded by saying, Even then, we will not let him enter into Mecca. No. Because all of the Arabs will mock us. We have an ongoing war. Badr, Uhud, Khandaq. And all the dozen skirmishes in between. Everything that's happened between us. And now we just let him march right into Mecca? No, 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 we can't do that. Our reputation is on the line. So Khuza'a, they basically went back to the Prophet ﷺ. And they basically informed him that this is how the Quraysh is responding and reacting. Some other narrations also mention that Mikraz ibn Hafs, he was sent as well um, from he was from Banu Amir ibn Lu'ay from Mecca. He was also sent, and when he was coming towards, and the Prophet ﷺ saw him, he said, "Hada Rajul Ghadir. This man is on his way to come see." And when he came, the Prophet ﷺ similarly informed him of everything he had said before, and he went back and told them what the Prophet ﷺ had said, and they basically spoke rudely to him as well. That basically anyone reasonable who was talking to the Prophet ﷺ and listening to what he had to say was going to the Quraysh and saying, why are you starting a war? Why are you doing this? What is possibly the benefit from this? Yet another narration says that a Habish, a Habish, this, this was a tribe of people that lived on the outskirts of Mecca. They were known as like mountain people. They lived in the mountains outside of Mecca. 
So their leader, whose name was Al-Hulays ibn Al-Qama, he then came to the Prophet ﷺ to come and talk to him. Now when he came to talk to the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ said that the, these people, the, the, the people that he represents, they understand some of these rituals. So the Prophet ﷺ said, tie up the camels that we have brought for sacrifice here on the outskirts of the camp so he can see. And it will become very clear to him. They are here for the purposes of worship, not for the purposes of conflict. And so when he came and he saw these camels tied up there for the purposes of sacrifice, he recognized, realized, he didn't even come to the Prophet ﷺ. He saw these animals and he's like, oh, these people are here for sacrifice, for worship. And so he went back and he told the Quraysh that, you know, what, what are you doing? Why are you trying to pick a fight? And they told him, Ijlis, ilmalak. He said, why don't you sit down? Let us explain this to you. You're a simple Bedouin man, you don't know anything. Let us tell you how this works. And they were very, you know, um, they, they, were, they were being very arrogant, very conceited. Right? They, were, they were speaking very disrespectfully. And he became very upset. And he said that, Ya ma'ashara Quraysh, O people of Quraysh, Wallahi ma'ala hadha halafnakum. We have a treaty with you, but we do not have a treaty with you for this reason. This is not what we agreed to you. That basically you disrespect us, you talk down to us. That you prevent people from coming to the Kaaba when all they want to do is worship. You don't own the Kaaba, you are the servants of the Kaaba. You are the custodians of the Kaaba. You serve the Kaaba and those who come to pay their respects to it. Is this how you people are going to act? And he said that, I swear by the one who holds my life in his hands, you will allow Muhammad and his companions to come and visit the Kaaba and do, you know, perform their act of worship. You better let them come and let them pass. And at that time the Quraysh said, Ma. Stop right there. Don't tell us what to do. We will do what we think we have to do. What makes you feel like you can tell us what to do? So it, part of the reason why I'm going through this, even though it seems to have like some, a certain sense of redundancy, the situation keeps repeating itself. Different, different people, different tribes are coming and try, hearing, Ya Muhammad, you have a conflict with the Meccans. Why are you here? And when they respond, when he responds by saying, look, we're just here to worship. Then they go and they try to reason with the Quraysh. And the Quraysh rejects their proposals. The reason why I keep repeating this is I want everyone to really understand how difficult this was. How difficult this moment was for the Prophet ﷺ and for the Muslims. Right? That how painstaking this situation was. Finally, Urwa ibn Mas'ud al-Thaqafi. Now, Urwa ibn Mas'ud al-Thaqafi, uh, excuse me, Urwa ibn Mas'ud al-Thaqafi is a very interesting individual. Even though his, he has a connection to Ta'if, his roots are from Ta'if, he also had um, a 
you know, um, a relationship to the Makkans. That some of the narrations mentioned that um, Urwa, his mother, his mother was a Qurayshi woman, was from Makkah. So even though his father was a leader of Ta'if, Banu Thaqif, his mother was from Makkah, was a Qurayshiyah. So the Makkans, the Quraysh, basically they send Urwa and they say, why don't you go and talk to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and try to handle this situation for us. So he says that, wait a second. I've seen what's been going on. You've even sent some people to go and talk to Muhammad They go there, they talk to him, they come back with their honest assessment of the situation, and then you belittle them. And then you are very, you know, disrespectful and arrogant towards them. So I've seen the situation playing out, and I'm not about to sign up for that. So they basically tell him that, you know, um, you're right, sadaqt, we have been very difficult. Ma anta indana bimutaham. However, we respect you. You're not like these other people, like Bedouin and this and that. We respect you. So he comes and he talks to the Prophet And he says, That he says, Oh Muhammad, you have gathered all your people together to come and break into Mecca, to force your way into Mecca, to start a fight. And he says, you see, the Meccans have sent out an army, have sent out a group, a cavalry, to face off against you. They're not about to take this line down because they've taken an oath that they will not let you enter into Mecca. So Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu was standing behind the Prophet wasallam, And at that time he makes a comment. Urwa, he says, well, he says that, and these people that have come with you, they'll abandon you, they'll leave you in a second. So think about what you're doing here. Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala was standing there behind the Prophet and he said, Umsus He says, be quiet, O dog of the idol Allah. Like you worship an idol. You be quiet. He said, he says, You think we would give up the Prophet ﷺ? You think we would ever abandon him, ever leave his side? And so at that time, Urwa, he's very arrogant, right? Because he's considered nobility in Makkah, nobility in Ta'if. So he says, Man hada ya Muhammad? Who is this? And Abu, uh, the Prophet ﷺ says, Hada ibn Abi Quhafa. This is the son of Abu Quhafa, Abu Bakr. So Urwa says at that time, "Ama wallahi laula yadun kanat laka indi laka fatuka biha." Walakin hadhi biha. He says that if you had not done some kindness towards me before, I would have taken care of you right now. But you know what? I'll spare you. And consider this me paying back some kindness you showed me in the past. Then he goes on to talk to the Prophet in, in the style of the Arabs, while he was talking to the Prophet, he basically reached out with his hand 
and started grabbing kind of the beard of the Prophet Like talking to him like this. Right? And while somebody might kind of feel like, okay, what's bad or disrespectful about that? But at the same time, that was a way that you kind of spoke to maybe like an equal, like a friend or something like that. It's very informal. It's kind of invading someone's personal space. So he starts going like this, talking to the Prophet ﷺ. Mughira bin Shu'aba, who was standing right behind the Prophet ﷺ, and he was wearing armor, he basically shoved his hand away. He shoved Urwa's hand away. When he tried to touch the beard of the Prophet ﷺ again. And he said, Ukfuk fiyadaka an waji Rasulullah He said, keep your hand to yourself. Keep your hand away from the face of the Prophet ﷺ before you lose that hand. Right? So Urwa says, Wayhak, hey, who are you to talk to me like that? What's your problem? He said, So why are you being so rude and confrontational with me? And the Prophet ﷺ smiled. And then he said, who is this guy now? And he said, Hada ibn Akhik. This guy, you know him. From your days in Ta'if, you know him. This is Mughira bin Shu'aba. And that's when Urwa says, A Ghudar. A Ghudar. Right? Ghudar basically it's like an insult. It basically means like, you know, um, like delinquent. Right? Hey delinquent. Or hey troublemaker. Hey loser. Hey hudar. He says to Mughira radiallahu anhu. Wahal ghasaltu saw ataka illa bilams. Didn't I clean up your mess yesterday? And he uses very foul language. Basically saying, didn't I wipe your backside for you the other day? Just the day before? Didn't I clean up your mess for you? And what he was talking about was the fact that before Islam... Mughira bin Shu'aba radiallahu ta'ala anhu, very unfortunately, before Islam, had committed some crimes in Ta'if. And Urwa ibn Mas'ud al-Thaqafi had basically covered up, like had, you know, kind of made reparations on his behalf. And later on then Mughira bin Shu'aba, he, you know, kind of uh, changed his ways, you know, repented, accepted Islam, and became a very good, decent, amazing person. But he's basically bringing that up. So this whole conversation is just very contentious. Everyone's, the tension's very high. But the Prophet is smiling, calm and cool and collected. Allah has a plan. And Allah's plan will come to fruition. So the Prophet talks to him, to Urwa, and he explains everything to him. Look, I'm not here to fight, I just want to worship. That's it. Mind my own business. So Urwa, he talks about what he saw there, what he observed there. So before he went back to Quraysh to relate to them the message of the Prophet ﷺ, he talks about some of his observations. He says that he saw how the companions of the Prophet ﷺ behaved with him, how they, um, how they acted around him. And he says that, That when the Prophet ﷺ made wudu, they all went to go get the leftover water of the Prophet ﷺ. To seek barakah and blessing from it. 
When the Prophet ﷺ like spit, like rinsed his mouth and you know, uh, took out the water from his mouth, they all went to go get that water and rub it on them for the sake of the barakah and the blessing from the Prophet ﷺ. Before somebody feels kind of uncomfortable hearing about that, the Prophet ﷺ is a legitimate source of seeking barakah and blessing. We just talked about the Prophet ﷺ taking an arrow, bismillah, giving it to somebody, putting it in a well and water miraculously shooting out from there. So the Prophet ﷺ is a legitimate source of seeking that barakah and blessing from. There's no dispute about that. There's no difference of opinion about that in the ummah. I know that there's a lot of other very, we'll say interesting things that go on in the ummah with other people and things like that. You know, other people and their graves and all these different types of things go on. That's another conversation for another day. When it comes to the Prophet ﷺ, there is zero difference of opinion. There's no legitimate idea that, 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 that contends the fact that the Prophet ﷺ is a legitimate source of barakah and blessing. Alright? We should not be so pious so cautious that we are more pious and cautious than the religion itself. Alright? The Sahaba radiallahu anhum had the purest of aqidah and the purest of iman and faith. And they would seek barakah and blessing from the Prophet. Anyways, so, If some of the hair of the Prophet fell down, they would go and they would pick it up and keep it. Right? So he saw all of this going on. And when he goes back to Quraysh, Urwa, he says that, well, يَا مَعَشَرَ قُرَيْشِ إِنِّي قَدْ جِئْتُ كِسْرَ فِي مُلْكِهِ O Quraysh, I visited the Persian emperor. وَيْقَيْسَرَ فِي مُلْكِهِ I visited the Roman emperor. وَالنَّجَّاشِ فِي مُلْكِهِ I visited the uh, Abyssinian king. I've been in the courts of kings. وَإِنِّي وَاللَّهِ مَا رَأَيْتُ مَلِكًا فِي قَوْمِهِ قَدْتُ مِثْلَ مُحَمَّدٍ فِي أَصْحَابِهِ I've never seen as much devotion and loyalty and commitment and reverence that any subjects have toward their, towards their kings like the companions and the followers and the believers of Muhammad have towards him. And he said, وَلَقَدْ رَأَيْتُ قَوْمٌ لَا يُسْلِمُونَهُ لِشَيْنَ رَأَيَكُمْ Let me tell y'all one thing. They will never leave his side. They will never leave the side of Muhammad They will never abandon him. They will never forsake him. So y'all think about what y'all need to do. And you proceed understanding the situation. And at this particular time, the Prophet ﷺ, he sends, you know, he calls for Khiraj ibn Umayy al-Khuza'i, another individual from the tribe of Khuza'a, and he sends him as an official you know, emissary from the Prophet ﷺ, as a messenger from the Prophet ﷺ, on one of the camels of that the Prophet ﷺ had brought from Medina, to go and try to talk to Quraysh on his behalf. Very unfortunately, when he arrives there in uh, Mecca, when he gets there in Mecca, they end up attacking the animal, and they strike down the animal, and they try to go and kill this man Khiraj, but the Ahabish, the, 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 those, you know, the, the mountain people I talked about outside of Mecca, they basically come and they save his life, they protect him. And then the Meccans let him go and he comes back to the Prophet and tells him, look, they tried to attack me and they tried to kill me. 
So what happens at this particular time, Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhumah, he narrates this, that the Quraysh, they send about 40 or 50 you know, people, uh, you know, soldiers, warriors on horses, out to the army of the Prophet And to go and intimidate them. So they come and they start riding around, you know, the army of the Muslims, trying to intimidate them. And they end up shooting some arrows and throwing some rocks at the army. The Prophet ﷺ, he commands the Muslims to go and grab them. And they're able to capture all of them. And they're brought to the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ says, you shot arrows at my people. You threw rocks at my people. You know, unprovoked. You are provoking, you know, a war. You are fanning the flames of war here. But the Prophet says, to prove to you that I am here on a peaceful mission to worship, I forgive you. And he released them and said, go back to Makkah and let them know. I'm not here to fight. That's when the Prophet calls Umar radiallahu ta'ala and he says, Ya Umar, I want you to go on my behalf and go and level, reason, negotiate with Quraysh. Umar radiallahu ta'ala says, Ya Rasulullah, if I may, O Messenger of God, inni akhafu Quraishan ala nafsi. Quraysh is probably going to kill me if I go. They're going to try to kill me. Because I don't really have. This, uh, my core family members are not no longer in Mecca to where they'll be there to defend me. And my relationship with Quraysh has been very contentious since I accepted Islam. I'm not a good person. If you're looking to establish peace, I'm not the right person for the job, O Messenger of Allah, respectfully. But I have a suggestion, if I may. And the Prophet says, please. And he says that, Uthman bin Affan. He's also a Makkan. He's also a Qurayshi. Very respected, noble man. Known for his dignity, his, his uh, calmness, his forbearance. Right? He commands great respect. He's a man of waqar. Like respect. Carries himself with great dignity. They'll, they'll respect him. I suggest we send him a messenger of Allah. And the Prophet says, okay, that's a very good suggestion. And he sends Uthman bin Affan to Abu Sufyan and the leaders of the Quraysh to go and talk to them and convince them, we are not here to fight. Stop trying to pick a fight. So Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu goes in and he meets with, you know, uh, first of all, Aban ibn Sa'id ibn al-As, he meets him and he grants him protection and he escorts Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu to Abu Sufyan and the leadership of the Quraysh. Uthman bin Affan, he communicates the message of the Prophet ﷺ to him. And after he communicates a message, they said, allow us some time to deliberate, to discuss this proposal. And they said, while we deliberate, while we discuss, and while you are waiting for a response, in shi'ta antatufa bil bayti fatuf. We will grant you passage, since you're already in Mecca, you may go and perform tawaf. Go ahead. While you're here, we see you're in Ihram. Go ahead. And Uthman bin Affan, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, we heard a couple of other incidents showing the love that the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, had for the Prophet, the respect that they had. 
But listen to this gesture of love. Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, مَا كُنْتُ لِأَفْعَلَ حَتَّى يَتُوفَ بِهِ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى I would never perform tawaf until the Prophet ﷺ first performed tawaf. No. Without my messenger ﷺ? No thank you. No thank you. I'll go to the Kaaba, the Baytullah. But I will go with the Messenger of Allah So Quraysh says, okay, and there are some of the leaders of the Quraysh are a little irked by his response, by his answer. So they basically kind of confine him, they tell him, okay, keep him over here. Alright, until we give him a response and an answer. And they kind of confine him to a private area, like a waiting area. Now, unfortunately, the news, the rumor that comes out of Makkah and reaches the Prophet ﷺ is that the Quraysh have killed Uthman. Nobody sees Uthman, nobody's heard from Uthman. They must have killed him. And the Prophet ﷺ is so devastated and upset and offended at this notion that they would have done this. That the Prophet ﷺ he says, لا حتى القوم. The Prophet ﷺ said, We will not leave until we avenge, until we deal with these people. And the Prophet ﷺ, he sat down under the shade of a tree. And he called the companions, the Sahaba, to come and give him an oath of allegiance. And one by one by one, people came. And they gave an oath. Some of the Sahaba mentioned that, بَيَعَهُمْ رَسُولَ That he took an oath from them that they would fight to the death. And Jabir bin Abdullah says that the Prophet ﷺ, he did not take an oath on, upon death from us. Rather, لَكِنْ بَيَعْنَا عَلَىٰ أَلَّا نَفِرْ Rather, he took an oath from us that we would not run from the battlefield. That we would stand firm and stand tall. And stand brave when the time, when the situation arose. And at that time, the narration mentions that the first one to come and give the oath of allegiance, it's called Bay'atul Ridwan, the oath that Allah was pleased with. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, in Surah Al-Fatih, that, لَقَدَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ يُبَايِعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ that Allah was pleased with those who gave you the oath of allegiance under the shade of the tree. That God knew what was in their hearts, that they were sincere. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down peace and tranquility upon them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewarded them with a very soon a victory that was very close. So one after another after another, 1400 Muslims, they came and they gave this oath of allegiance to the Prophet ﷺ. Finally, so much so, that the hadith in Bukhari and Muslim it mentions, or excuse me, the hadith of Bukhari, it's in Bukhari, it mentions that the Prophet ﷺ took one of his hands, he put it in his other hand, and he said that, هَذَا يَدُ Uthman. This is the hand of Uthman. And he said, Uthman has also given his life for the sake of this mission, this cause, this noble endeavor and this noble cause. 
And the Prophet took that oath of allegiance from all 1400 Sahaba. And subhanAllah, as I was mentioning to you about going there and visiting there, the place where that tree was is preserved even till today. Umar bin Abdul Aziz, rahimahullah ta'ala, the great uh, Khalifa who would come later on, who was also the governor of Medina before he was Khalifa, constructed a masjid around where that tree was. At the time of Umar bin al-Khattab, he found out that some people were going and you know, conducting some inappropriate practices at that tree. So Umar radiallahu ta'ala had that tree removed. And some rocks and stones were put where that tree was to mark that spot. And Umar bin Abdul Aziz built a masjid around that tree. And the ruins of that masjid are present even there still till today. And there's a masjid that has been built next to it. And so the Prophet took this oath of allegiance. But subhanAllah, no sooner was the Prophet done, you know, taking this oath of allegiance from the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, that the news arrived to the Muslims and to the Prophet that Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu was in fact alive and the Quraysh had not killed him. But now what the Quraysh did was not only was Uthman radiallahu anhu returning back to the Muslims, but the Quraysh was sending Suhail bin Amr to come and negotiate a truce, a treaty with the Prophet and the Muslims. And we'll go ahead and stop and pause here for this particular session because then the discussion about the terms and the overall situation of how that treaty was signed and what were the terms of that you know, uh, treaty and what occurred in the aftermath of the signing of the treaty, that'll take a little bit more time. So inshallah, we'll cover that in the next session. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the love of the Prophet And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us all and give us all the ability to practice everything that was said and heard. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. Subhanakallah wa bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nasafiru wa natubu ilayk. And as I mentioned uh, previously, for those, mashallah, brothers and sisters who come here every single week, along with the folks that are tuning in online, uh, that inshallah, uh, we are going with the Qalam uh, Umrah group, inshallah. We're leaving uh, this, some folks leaving Thursday, some folks are leaving Friday. And uh, we'll be there for about 10, 12 days. Um, I'll be also be visiting um, some of my teachers and whatnot in the days afterwards, inshallah. So therefore, we won't have the Sira class for the next two Tuesdays, inshallah. Uh, but subsequently, after that, in fact, I'll go ahead and give you the date. On uh, We shall resume the Sira class, inshallah, on March the 29th. So that's a Tuesday, March the 29th. That's uh, three uh, Tuesday, you know, the third Tuesday from today, inshallah. Three weeks from today, we'll resume the Sira class. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept our Umrah. Please keep our entire group in your du'as. We'll also keep, uh, you know, the community and all the students of the Sira class in our du'as as well. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.